Matt Kiln, the Boston Man Show with Josh Shirts, coach of the Indiana State Sycamore out of the Missouri Valley Conference, the Valley, as we call it, Coach Shirts. How's life up there for you guys in Indiana, man? It's hot. It's hot out here right now, but uh, but no, everything is good. Getting uh, getting acclimated, trying to uh, you know buy a house, sell a house. Uh, so um, we got both are, both are pending. So fingers crossed for me, and uh, uh, but everything's good. We've been here about um, I've been here about a little over three months. Family's still back in, in in Tennessee while finishing up school and getting the house together and all that stuff. So um, up here uh, with with the staff and the team, and and it's been it's been a uh, uh, you know, it's been a good transition. I think anytime you go, you know, you, you make a significant life change. It's always difficult, particularly somebody uh, like me who's a creature of habit and, and somebody who operates in a comfort zone. So, uh, but it's good. That's how you stretch yourselves, how you grow uh, is to get outside that comfort zone. So it's been good for me and people here at, uh, in Terre Haute have been great, both on and off campus. And you you had a great thing going in, in, in LMU with Lincoln Memorial D2, winning 30, 20 games a year. And to take this job here, so tell me about it. What was the desire to say, hey, let me take my chance here at Indiana State. I've got to set this great standard here at Lincoln Memorial, winning D2s, going to tournaments in D2. So what was, what was it for you to say, hey, let me take this challenge here at Indiana State? I think it was a combination of things. You know, I always said, um, you know, that, that it's a truism, right? Like, don't mess with happy. And, and I think it's also true uh, that you can't, you can't grow unless you challenge yourself. So I think both those things are true. And so it was a case of, um, you know, could I find a spot that uh, um, where I was at that I could be a work environment that was similar to what I was used to at LMU, where I had a place that I was really empowered, a place that I was supported, a uh, place that I had, you know, uh, an administration that was behind it. And could I put myself in a situation where as a coach, I was really going to be forced to grow and, and, uh, and, and challenge myself and, and really push myself uh, in that regard, almost like getting a, a PhD in coaching. And I thought uh, this job, because of uh, with, with talking with, uh, with Sherrard and Dr. Curtis, um, uh, the athletic director, the president, um, you know, we, we had some, some really good conversations, um, you know, knew kind of what I was getting into here in, in terms of, I felt like they were going to, you know, put, um, some more behind this and, and, and give us a chance to be successful. Um, I wanted to, if I was going to make a leap of faith, um, have an administration make the same leap of faith in terms of security and those type of things. And, and, and they were willing to do that. And then it came down to, um, you know, once the work environment was, was something that was similar to where I was, it was really the opportunity to compete in this conference and how much respect I have uh, for the coaches and the teams and the programs in the Missouri Valley. Uh, when you get outside the, really, you know, the, the top six leagues in the country, you know, Missouri Valley's right there. Um, you know, Mountain West, A-10, I mean, there's some leagues, obviously West Coast, uh, you know, American and, and Conference USA, but those, that, that group of leagues, uh, the Missouri Valley's right in the middle of those group of leagues in terms of one of the best leagues in the country. It's a league where, you know, they're getting multiple bids every year to the NCAA tournament, um, you know, and, and, and you have a chance, you know, potentially this year to get, uh, you know, a, a, again, be a multi-bid league. So, um, all that was really enticing to me and what, what made it attractive was the combination of the work environment uh, that was similar to what I had at Lincoln Memorial and, um, and, then, and then being in a situation here where you're playing in one of the best leagues in the country and really seeing if you can come into a, a place like this, a level like this, and, and do what we did at LMU, which is, you know, uh, build a program that wins at a high level with really high character kids and, you know, does it uh, right way, you know, in terms of, 
you know, on off the court and, and build a program that the whole community can kind of get behind. And, and, and we'll see. That's going to be incredibly challenging. So, um, you know, excited to take this on and, and grow as a coach. How's it been meeting the, the guys? I know, Coach, when you have a, a, a change, guys, some of them put their name in the portal, leave. So how was trying to build a relationship with the guys who will stay in from who Coach Lanson brought in and bringing in new guys that you recruited this cycle as well? Yeah, you know, I, I think that's always tricky. You know, when I came here, um, I told the players a couple things. One, one, I told them, hey, you know, I chose to come here. None of them chose me. You know what I mean? I chose to come to Indiana State. Nobody in that locker room, uh, you know, came to Indiana State to, to play for Josh Shirts or our system or our philosophy, our culture, whatever. And that things, you know, we're going to be different. And different doesn't make it better. Different doesn't make it worse. It's just going to be different. And um, I thought the two boxes that guys had to check to stay in Indiana State were one, they had to be bought into the way we were going to operate and the culture we were going to try to create here and the way we we're going to do business moving forward. Again, it was going to be a, a you know, a difference from how they had done things um, and, and guys had to be bought into how we were going to operate. And then the second box was they had to fit into uh, how we wanted to play our style of play. And um, again, uh, a, a divergence from, from what they had done and a significant difference, but again, not better, not worse, just different. But you have to, you know, be yourself. You have to do things the way you want to do them. I said in the press conference, and I wasn't really joking. I was kind of joking, but what is it? Sarcasm is 80% truth or whatever. So yeah. uh, I said, you know, when I left, uh, I left the locker room that morning at LMU where I told the guys I was going to Indiana State and guys were crying. And it was a very emotional meeting uh, with my team at LMU. And they were uh, crying because I was leaving. And I arrived in Indiana State in Terre Haute that evening to a locker room that was crying because I was coming. And because uh, they, you know, they, they wanted their coach, you know what I mean? And, and, and they had come for Coach Lansing. So, um, you know, that, that's the scenario where, where, you know, it's true. Uh, it's true. So um, I came in, I told them, you know, that the other box, you know, so we, with those two boxes were checked. Um, then to me, that was what it was going to take to move forward in Indiana State. And it was on me you know, as a coach to, to earn their respect and earn their trust. And I think, you know, for, for me, that was, um, I think with, with coaching, you know, in, in the modern times, um, walking in and saying, I'm the head coach and banging your fist on the table and this is how we're going to operate. That doesn't really work, um, you know, and, and, and maybe that's, you know, probably the way it's supposed to be. And um, I told them, it's on me. I got to earn your respect. I got to earn your trust. I got to show these guys that, um, that, man, I really care about you, not just as a player, but as a, as a man, as a person, um, that I'm committed to your development, not just as a player, but holistically, that, um, that they could trust me, that I was going to be a man of my word, that I was going to do what I say I'm going to do, that I was going to be um, straight with them uh, all the way through, never blow any smoke, not coddle them. And then I had to show that I was competent, right, that I could help them individually achieve their goals and us collectively achieve our goals. And it was a very short turnaround because – um, you know, it was only a couple of weeks left before the semester was over. We had a lot of guys in the portal, a lot of guys. I think at one point in April, we had one player returning uh, to the team. So um, and so I told him it was going to be by by faith and uh, not necessarily by sight. And it had to be by faith with some of those guys that were coming back. And fortunately, we were able to get, uh, you know, Tyree Key back, who's you know, one of the best players in Missouri Valley. I think he was been top three, top two in the league in scoring the last three years. Um, you know, Julian Larry came back, who was a starter. Um, we had him, um, you know, and then, and then we were able to bring back Cooper Neese, 
as well as uh, Kalik Stevens, who was hurt last year. So got four guys back um, along with, uh, you know, Sam Mervis, who's a walk on. And, and, and then we were able to bring in eight guys. So, um, you know, but, but I'm really grateful for those guys for giving me a shot because it wasn't easy. And again, it was really for Tyreek, for Cooper, uh, Calix and Julian. It was completely by faith, not by sight, because you don't know those things in three weeks together. Most definitely. And coach, for you being D2, I know you can kind of split up the scholarships and split up and get everybody kind of paid for it via different ways. In D1, it's 13 and out pretty much. So how's it been different for you mm-hmm. recruiting with knowing it's 13 and out, you can't really split and play, play the games we can in D2? Yeah, I miss those days. You could, you could cut up scholarships and stack them and, uh, yeah, maximize your money. You know, it's funny. The numbers D2 is 10 and D1 is 13. But if you do it right in D2, it, it can be 13 or 14, right? Like if you split your money up right. So the number winds up being about the same. But, yeah, you got to make sure. Um, I think, you know, that there's nothing more important to success uh, in competitive sports and evaluation. I think that trumps everything else because – if the evaluation piece is messed up, nothing else works. You could be a great coach. You could have a great culture. Your guys could be great guys. You could be doing everything right. If you got bad players, ain't nothing going to save you. So, 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 so evaluation is, is number one. Um, it has been different probably in the sense that it's been more similar to LME than I would have imagined because I think, you know, Indiana State, you know, is, is in a – I mean, Harrogate's a small town. Indiana State's – 60,000 people, uh, Terre Haute and, 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 and LMUs and Harrogate is 3,000. So it's 20 times the size, but still a small town. You got to do a great job evaluating. It's not a destination spot yet. Uh, you got to find guys that fit your system. You got to be great with your player development. And then you got to have a culture in place that guys want to stay and that they want to be here with the, with the portal and everything opening up. Um, you know, that piece is as important as any, right? You got to do a great job of evaluating guys. You're probably not going to be getting to Indiana State you know, ready-made pros. So then you got to do a great job with your player development piece. And, and then you got to have a culture that guys really want to stay and be a part of when they have success instead of, you know, because that's the hard thing and, you know, a hard needle to thread in today's world is, you know, if a guy plays great, they want to transfer up. If a guy doesn't play enough, he's pissed, he wants to transfer. So, you know, I mean, I guess the guy's got to play just averagely well to want to stay, uh, you know, with you. So, so you got to get those guys who are developing and those guys who are playing really well to be a part of the culture and say, man, you know, I love it here. I love it at Indiana State. We wanted the same thing. We were really fortunate at LMU to have that, that level of continuity. But, you know, the, the difference in recruiting is, is probably just um, the amount of guys you're recruiting. Um, you know, at this point, if I'm at LMU in the summer uh, for the class of 2022, no one wants to talk to you in Division II. There's not a soul out there who wants to hear from a D2 in July. I don't care if you're the 13th man, your AAU team, you know, you're going D1, you want to hear from D2. So uh, here, you know, you're having visits with 22s and 23s and um, it's easier to get indoors, but it's also more competitive, right? I mean, you know, the guys that we're going after, you know, all have a bunch of offers and you got to find a way to, to try to separate yourself and, and um, in terms of what you're selling and the product you're able to offer them. Most definitely. And what's good about, the Valley is that, hey, you can sell, sell the conference and the radius around you, Indiana, all the talent in Indiana you have. Everybody can go to Indiana and, and Purdue. You, so you got to go somewhere, right? Yeah. So, so hey. like they can, but no. 
<laughs> you know what I'm saying? I think yeah. you're in a good spot, yeah. man, Coach Hurts. I think you, I think you're in a good spot, man, to just use the confidence in the radius around you. And some hopeless guys in Georgia go up your way, help you out too, man. <laughs> <laughs> no, no doubt. It's I, I think I think you know that's one thing that really uh, I was attracted to this job was the recruiting footprint is is in my you know is 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 where I've recruited before. You know, Indiana State needs to be really strong in the Midwest. If you look at LMU, we were really strong in Ohio and Indiana. Um, we can, you know, expand that here a little bit, you know. Um, but, but to me, Indiana, you'd have a hard time convincing me there's a better state for high school basketball that takes it more serious than the state of Indiana from youth all the way up. And so, um, you know, we're going to certainly start at home and, and, and work our way out. Um, but we have, you know, really clearly defined in terms of, you know, what we want to recruit, the kind of players, the kind of people. Uh, what works for our system, what doesn't, what works for our culture, what doesn't. And, um, you know, I, I, I joked, you know, if I did, I, I had an I hired a, a great staff, um, you know, and, and I think that's, that's, you know, the most important thing in terms of as we build this, you know, uh, surrounding yourself uh, with, with the right kind of people, not taking shortcuts. Um, you know, I, I think as counterintuitive as it sounds, um, you have to, you uh, hire and recruit people when you take a job that you can lose with um, because if you can lose together and stay together and that doesn't break you apart or splinter you then that's the foundation for winning you know everybody looks at what we did at LMU the last 10 years they don't see the first couple of years and we had a team that you know I basically took over we, we, we kept three players so similar to this deal took like 11 or 12 new guys we went 500 that first year mostly freshmen won 20 games the first time in year two. Year three, we won the league for the first time in the tournament, made the NCAA tournament the first time, got beat, upset in the first round. And then by year four, we were number one in the country. But it's that process, it's that foundation, you know, those scars, those battle scars as you go through. And, and our guys and our staff and our players stayed together. And that was the foundation, the springboard for all the success that followed. And for you, Coach, excuse me, man, at what point did you say to yourself, I want to become a head coach? Because my dad's a coach. My dad was a coach. So mm -hmm. I knew I knew I wouldn't I had the temperament to be a coach. I, I, I would go crazy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah, I probably, probably could have. I, I, I've reconsidered it many times. Uh, no. my, my dad is a farmer, so he doesn't know anything about sports at all. My brother's a plumber. So I'm the only person that's even remotely involved in sports in my family. Um, I, I, you know, I was always attracted, um, you know, I, I, I grew up playing tennis, which is an individual sport. And I, I, as I faded out of tennis, I didn't grow. So I, I got worse and worse as time went on. Um, I loved the aspect of basketball being a part of the team. I just love being in a locker room. I love people from different backgrounds, races, ethnicities, religions, all kind of, uh, united in their pursuit of, of a similar goal. I think it's kind of the, what's. The, you know, kind of America at its best, right? You know what I mean? You got people from all these different backgrounds and rural, urban, black, white, you know, whatever, every religion. And we're all together and we're all, you know, and, it, and it's, it's the, the, the pursuit, the united pursuit of something that kind of, you know, draws us together. Um, and, and so I, I really love that aspect of it. Um, and then I, you know, as I got into coaching, uh, I knew I wanted to coach. I thought I'd be a high school coach. I got into college kind of flukily. Um, and, and as I got in, I knew I wanted to be a head coach. I mean, I, I thought I wanted to try it. I was, uh, you know, I was an assistant, um, for, for, uh, 
geez, 10 years. I was an assistant for 10 years. And um, I worked under some really good head coaches. I worked under, I was really fortunate um, to be in great situations with really good players. And I got head coaches that, you know, I learned a lot from and then also gave me a lot of responsibility. And I wanted an opportunity to see if, you know, if I could do it, you know, and, and you always want, I don't know, always, but I, I really want to see, hey, I've got all these ideas, you know, from a culture standpoint, from an X and O standpoint, you know, I'd like to, you know, find somewhere to, to, to see if it would actually, you know, take. And that's the hard part, you know, is when you haven't been a head coach is no one wants to hire you because they say you don't have any head coaching experience. So, mm-hmm. um, you know, it's like it's hard to get head coaching experience. You can't get hired, for the, you know, so, uh, you know, so, so that was the conundrum. And I, I, I didn't get a lot of jobs at the D2 level. And then, you know, Lincoln Memorial was one that, you know, I mean, nobody wanted, you know, I'd be honest with you. I mean, it was in a town of 3,000 people. It had no tradition, never been the NCAA tournament, never won 20 games. Uh, people thought you couldn't recruit there. You couldn't win there. You couldn't keep kids there. Um, you know, there's no restaurants or anything like that. So, um, you know, it was a unique situation. Um, but I, again, I really wanted the opportunity and um, it turned out better than I could ever dream because as we built it, um, the school built right along with us and supported us and from a job that might've been the worst job in my conference. When I got there, when I left this year, I think it's the best resource job in America in division two, and it's not even close. So um, it's a place that they expect to compete for national championships, but with what they invest, uh, that's a realistic uh, expectation. Coach, it's funny you said something about, about team, you know, for me, seven year old kid playing baseball was the first time I met somebody that wasn't black in my life. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I, I met a Hispanic kid, a white kid, I just give the first time playing travel mm-hmm. baseball at seven years yep. old, coach. So sports mm-hmm. showed me something beyond what I was used to growing up in the hood in Atlanta but for seven years. I grew up in the hood. I, mm-hmm. I didn't meet nobody but black people until I was seven years old playing ball. Yeah. I had no – I didn't care whether the kids were Hispanic, white, or Asian. I just wanted to go on the weekends, get out of the hood, and go travel and play baseball for the weekends. I didn't yeah. care. I still love, I love the sport. Yeah, that's the thing about sports that's – beautiful is that is that it, all that stuff doesn't matter you know if you're black you're white you're hispanic you're from the hood you're from the country club the suburbs the city rural what you care about is can you play and can you help us win right yes I mean, you know and, and and it puts all those differences aside and you're united by what you have in common and i think you know really that's that's the best of what america has to offer and, and just being a part of a team being in a locker room being together it's it's a special bond as you know when you go through with, with these, uh, you know, when, when you go through a season with a team, it's just different. Tennis, you know, individual sport, I mean, you have coaches and stuff, but it, you're out there by yourself. You know, basketball for me was, was a game changer. And when I finished playing, I knew I wanted to be around it. I didn't know how I was going to be around it, but I knew, man, I, I love being a part of a team. I love competing. I love the relational side. And as I've gotten into it more, um, you know, that's become kind of the holy grail, right? The relationships you have with, oh, yes. your, with your players and the relationships you develop. Uh, you know, you have guys that, you know, man, I mean, you know, Father's Day just came and, you know, you get tons of texts and your birthday and, and, and players reaching out and, you know, they're, and some of them are, you know, married and children and other guys are playing pro ball and you're part of their lives. And um, it's just so rewarding. But you realize uh, as you, the further you go, um, that, that that stuff really is the holy grail, right? It's not the championships. It's not the, the winning. Um, that's a pretty, uh, 
a shallow, I guess, way of looking at it. It would be pretty disappointing. Um, like last year, you know, we made the final four and lost on a, a buzzer beater, right? Like we, we were up two and blocked a shot. got a piece of the shot. Ball got batted out and kid throws it up and, and goes in at the buzzer. And, you know, they go to the national championship and we go home. And if, if, if you uh, put, put everything into that last game, if you place all your value and how that, that last game turns out, man, it's going to be a, a pretty disappointing way to live your life and, and say, well, well, that was a failure because you won the national championship. Well, you know, there, there's one team that's doing that. There's, you know, 300 and some pursuing it. And so there's got to be something bigger than that, a bigger purpose. And if you're, again, all your eggs are in that basket of, you know, national championship or failure, you know, I don't think that's that that's a recipe to have a long career in this. And so the longer I've been into it, the more I've gotten into that relational side and, and um, you know, but I, I felt that even as a player, man, just get in there in that locker room with all those different people and, and, and you learn so much uh, and you become so much of, of when people don't like somebody or they hate something, most of it is, is fear, ignorance, right? Mm-hmm. You know, of, of what they don't like. And man, it, it erases all those obstacles when you're a part of a team because you, 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 don't have ignorance, but you become cultured. You become, you'd be able to, to meet other people and you see we, we have a lot more similarities than we do differences. And Coach Hurts, for me, I've been radio 10 years, Coach, and I would never thought I'd be able to text Frank Marge whenever I want to or text, you know, Mike Davis when I want to. I could text Randy Peel, as I told you off the air. I could text, you know, all my Matt Figure when I feel like it. And hey, we talk about, no, let's talk about whatever, you know, for these writing shifts, because I talk to football coaches, basketball, yeah. baseball, like, Guys who are, I would watch those a kid on TV, right? I can talk to them as, as like it's like it's nothing now, like because yeah. because of radio. What the lowest number would be with radio? Yeah, no, it it it's it's about relationships, and sports is a great thread to build, and then and then you, your relationships build from there. Everything starts with you know having something in common, and then yeah, I mean it's just an unbelievable way to to connect and and to diversify and and man, it's just, it's just, you know, sports is awesome. I think, you know, if, if politics is the most divisive thing in America, I think sports is probably the most unifying thing in America, in my opinion, and most, when, when done right, I'll say that. Oh yes, most definitely. Look look, look at Atlanta. We all came together for our Atlanta Hawks. (laughs) You know, we all came together for our Hawks. We was all saying, saying when the Hawks lost, you know, it made me first really saying, (laughs) you know, but we all came together for, like you said, the Atlanta Hawks in that arena. We didn't care who who, 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 we was always like, one goal. Let's go Hawks. Beat the Bucks. Exactly. (laughs) Throws everything else out the window and yeah, you're united in your purpose and and again, there's so much, you know, that that's where it starts. And, and it's it's the most unifying thing we have going. And so I, I, I love sports for a lot of reasons. But, you know, that and the relationships you develop through getting to know people on a real level. Like when you go through, I always say, you know, like most people, you know, at a superficial level. Right. And sports, when you go through with a team or you go through the teammate or a coach or whatever, um, you know, adversity is true serum. Right. In life. Losing is true serum. Oh, yes. Um, you know, that's when you see who somebody really is. Um, and, and the true measure of who you are as a person is how you respond when things don't go your way. Everybody's pretty happy, you know, when, 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 when stuff falls on their, their, you know, in their favor, right? So um, I just think that, that that true serum piece 
um, you get to know people on a deep level and it creates uh, authentic, you know, bonds where you know who they are on the, and the insides, the fiber of their being. And um, that's, that's a, uh, I guess you don't get that window into too many people in your life besides your family, uh, unless you're on a, on a team like this. Most definitely. Coach, I got last, one last one for you, coach. You come to Atlanta to recruit. So what's your favorite thing to eat here in, in Atlanta when you come here? What do you want to eat at when you come to town, man? That's a dangerous question because I don't want to be kept caught up with Lou Williams uh, <laughs> <laughs> Magic City. Uh, but, uh, uh, geez, Atlanta. I used to be my favorite restaurant in Atlanta was a place, but it shut down. It's called uh, Katana. It's a, it was a, a, like a Japanese like sushi mm-hmm. place. It was, that's my favorite kind of food. Um, so I'm going to have to, I'm going to have to see they, they, I, I checked it out because I'm coming to Atlanta and that place just shut down. Um, but Atlanta's got, I mean, you can't go wrong. I mean, whether, whether, whether it's, it's, it's wings, if you want, if you want fine dining, a good Italian, I mean, good sushi, Atlanta's got it all. I mean, you, you, I'm, I'm a foodie. So that's, I spend, you know, probably more than basketball, I spend more time researching food. So oh, yeah. I would I would have to say that uh, Atlanta's up on the top of my list, but Katana was arguably as good a restaurant as I've, as I've ever eaten at. But like I said, it, I think with COVID, uh, it shut down because I'm flying to Atlanta tomorrow. And uh, and so I was checking on there to see if it was open and no dice. So I'm going to I'm gonna have, to, I'll have to get back to that one. I'm, I'm going to do some research and really put something together, but I'm going to be I'm gonna be ready to ready to, to figure out and get a get a new go to spot in, in Atlanta. Now, the, the, the coach, the name is messed up, but Six Feet Under is a great spot for seafood. Okay, I'm, the, I'm with that. The, the name under. is not great. <laughs> Six Feet Under. Yeah, but the, but hopefully not getting food poisoning from that place. <laughs> so, so also ten Lizzie's for tacos. Pick any way you want them. Pick them any way you want to. So okay. that's not, Copeland's Those not a good place. Copeland's. Copeland's okay. Raise raise on the river is another good one as well. So, what's raised on the river? What is that? What is that? What kind of food is that one? It's up in Cobb County. It's a very much of a variety of food. You know, you can get in, in different different styles if you want soul food, you want seafood. It's kind of all all in, all encompassed all in one. So, so also right. sage well, is good as well. Place. All right, I'm gonna do my I'm gonna do my research. I'm gonna knock out some of those places. I'm definitely checking out Six Feet Under and the Taco Place. Um, uh, and then I'll, I'll figure out Ray's on the river. Uh, and there was a place there I tried to go to. It was actually a soul food place. It was five stars on Yelp and it had like 600 and some reviews. So it's crazy. And it was closed when I went, I got to figure out what the name was, but it was closed when I went down to, to last time I was in Atlanta to go check it out. So I'll see if I would go to Nashville tomorrow, I'll, I'll meet up with you and take you. <laughs> I would definitely do that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'll be in Nashville for a few days to check on my house. That's out of the house in Nashville still. So. All right. Well, no, that that'll be. Listen, that's a that's another great city. You won't have any trouble finding good food in Nashville. I was just there a couple of weeks ago, so <laughs> yes, You'll sir. Have no issues there. So yeah, coach, we gotta, we gotta hook up and get some food together, man. Cause I I love food too, man. I'm a foodie <laughs> myself. I love getting give me a good meal somewhere, man. So I love to do. I'm on the road. That's listen. That's that's that right there. My my life: food, wine, and then probably some basketball sprinkled in. But definitely, definitely food and wine. They come to my office. Uh, they always joke at LMU, the, the food network was on, you know, not really ESPN or basketball. I'm always looking at different food options. So it shows in my figure and my physique, but I'm a 
I'm a huge foodie, so. Coach, you might need a, you might need a cooking show too long. Your coach show do a cooking show as well with Josh Hurts. <laughs> he did that for years. Well, I, I can't. I can only. I can eat the food. I can do like. <laughs> I, I should have really been like in man versus food. They didn't have that when I was when I was a kid. It's a true story. My my grandfather told me um, he was trying to get me motivated. I was about 18. I didn't know what I wanted to do, and he said, you know, Josh. He said, you, you got to figure out. He said, to, you know, so the key in life is to figure out one, you know, what your what your what you love to do. And then you got to figure out what you're really good at. And then you got to figure out, like, can you make a living doing that? And he said, like, for you, he said, what you're best at is eating chips and salsa. He said, and you love it. And he said, you're unbelievable at it. You eat incredible amounts of chips and salsa. So there's just no market for you to make money eating chips and salsa. So, but see, I was before my time. because That's like man versus food and all those things, you know, uh, uh, Guy Fieri, Diners Dive, Dive, you know, I mean, I could have been on one of those shows would have been probably up my alleyway. So I was born a little bit too early. Well, Coach, it's been so fun to talk to you, Coach, to catch up with you. Wish you best of luck, man. We have to do this again real soon. I'll be cheering for you guys up in the Valley, man. So, Coach, I'm looking for you. Hopefully, Josh Pasner or Tom Crane will play you guys, give you some good money to come and play down here. Hopefully, they'll play you. So we can see you down here as well, Coach. Yeah. <laughs> tell them, yeah, tell Coach Crane, Coach Pasner, we'd, we'd love to come down and – Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.